If you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to join me in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Last week, we started a a small three-week series on prayer. And last week, we emphasized the importance of praying faithfully and consistently, not giving up, being steadfast in our prayers. And today... We want to look at this passage and study a prayer of worship. But before we do, let's commit our time in God's Word into His hands. Gracious Heavenly Father, You have been so, so good to us. And we come before You oftentimes all throughout the day with our needs and our requests. And that's a good thing because You tell us to. You're a God who hears our prayers and you always answer in a way that is wise and loving and good. Thank you that we can bring our needs to you. But today we want to think about the importance of bringing our worship to you in prayer. Bringing thanksgiving. Bringing praise. Because Lord, you are worthy. As we look at the scriptures... Open up our eyes through David's words as your spirit works through the truth of your word on our hearts. Help us to see how these things apply to our life and may our prayer life be strengthened and deepened and maybe even radically transformed as a result of what your word has to say to us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. First Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance." When you were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do not my prophet, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, The Lord 
reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. And then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. David absolutely goes off here. He has been, you know that David had a troubled and a difficult life. <coughs> because God promised to him it, it, as, a, as a young man, we don't know how old he was, but he came to him and said, you're going to be king. Well, I don't know how you do with waiting, but I'm not super good at it. And so Saul had known that the, hand, the, the, the kingdom was going to be torn from his hand and given to David. And so David had to wait. And meanwhile, Saul, as you can imagine, was not really excited that God had cut his family out of the royal line. And so he came after David. First, it was while David was in his court playing on the harp, and a couple of times Saul tried to kill him with a javelin. And then David had to go on the run because he feared for his life. And he spent many months, even probably years, hiding in caves and wandering in the desert, fleeing from Saul, running for his life. And I had to think that there's got to be times when he doubted God's goodness, was tempted to wonder if God had forgotten his promises. But God had not. God was faithful and brought him into Jerusalem and gave him the kingdom after Saul's death. And one of David's very first acts as king was that he wanted to get the Ark of the Covenant, the the center of worship for his people. He wanted it in the capital city so that he could build a house for God. So it tells us in chapter 13 of 1 Chronicles that worship had not really been a priority under Saul, and David wanted to remedy that. So he goes to the elders, and he says, let's get this there. Let's get the Ark into Jerusalem. And so they bring it from the village where it was sitting in Kiriath-Jerim. And there was a major triumphal procession as the ark was being carried into Jerusalem. A huge celebration. There was singing and dancing, laughter and joy as the ark, which represented the presence of God, was coming to its rightful place. And David, in his joy and in his love for God and his passion, To see God worshipped offers up this song of thanks that we just read. You know, God calls us to pray. We talked about that. We all know that. And God calls us to bring requests to Him. And that's a very good thing, an important thing. But sometimes in our prayers, we can neglect the important aspect of offering up our worship to God. You know, worship is not just what takes place up here on stage on Sundays during the music portion of our church service. Worship is something that should, now that's corporate worship, but worship is something that should take place in our lives throughout the week. Praise and thanksgiving that we offer up to God. And as we look at this song of thanks to God, I think that there are some things that we can learn and hopefully there will be just something in here 
that will encourage you or prompt you in your worship to God. The first thing that we come across, and I, and I really kind of, I just kept seeing one thing after another, so your outline's kind of detailed, and I filled in some of the blanks so that no one's carpal tunnel acts up this morning, but uh, as we go along, the first thing here is, is we see a command to worship. We see the command to worship, verses 28 and 29, and we're just going to kind of bounce around throughout these verses. You can stay right here, and First Chronicles will be in chapter 16 our whole morning, but we'll be looking at a number of the verses throughout. He says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Right off the bat, even back in verse 8, he says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. These are all imperatives here. They're all commands to praise God. Now, there's a word that's used for praise four different times throughout here, uh, and, I, and I love it. He interchanges his, wor- interchanges his words for worship and praise and thanksgiving. He mixes it up in the original language. But one of the words that's used here I like is, the word, is a word that means to cheer or to boast. It's this idea of there is something great here that I want everybody to see. I want to celebrate. Yesterday was the uh, it was Claire's little league opening day. They always have a big parade, and and then kids begin to play the games. and And you know they're still getting the dust off. You know it's been cold, and pra- practices always get rained out. So this first first couple of games, they're still they're still trying to figure out where to throw the ball when it comes to them and that kind of thing. And so especially when you're watching the younger levels, it seems like. Boy, you know, you, you just laugh and chuckle with all the kind of the antics that go on. But boy, when they do something well, you want to celebrate and, and cheer for them. Hey, you threw the ball to the right base this time. And, and, and you, you, you honor that. You want to celebrate that. Well, how much more so the God of the universe? Well, we, we want to cheer and boast for what he has done and for who he is. But it, it, I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but when you, when you read a passage like this, and you see over and over and over the command to give thanks, the command to praise, the command to ascribe Him glory. You think, why does God need to tell us to worship? Do you ever wonder that? Why does God have to command this? Is, is God some kind of insecure being up there, kind of wringing His hands? I'm having kind of a down day. I hope someone tells me something nice about myself today. I'm kind of discouraged, and man, things have been going a little rough in the world. Would someone just please pat me on the back today? You know, as, as human beings, we like that. And, and whether we admit it or not, we, we need that. We need encouragement. We need uh, affirmation. But here's the thing about God is He doesn't need any of it. For all eternity, before He made you and I, there was nothing but God. He didn't need anything. He didn't create us because he needed us. He doesn't ask us to give of our tithes and offerings because he needs us. He doesn't, he doesn't ask us or command us to obey him because he needs that. And he doesn't command us to worship because he's somehow deficient or needy in any way. God commands always, always, always what is best for us and what bring him glory and honor. And you see, the great thing about worship is not only does it properly recognize God for who he is, but it, it reminds us of the ultimate satisfaction that is there in Jesus Christ. I, I read this this week, 
An author wrote, he said that God doesn't need our obedience or our money. He's completely self-sufficient. When we thank him and praise him, it, it, it blesses us. It increases our joy and delight in him. God has designed us to enjoy beauty and excellence and to express that enjoyment. We enjoy the glory of nature, perhaps amazing athletic, feet, athletic feats, delicious food, a thousand other blessings. And we increase our enjoyment when we express it. When we see a sunset or the Grand Canyon, we can't help but say, Wow, that is beautiful. When we watch an athlete make a fantastic play, we have to cheer. And when we express our admiration of a Van Gogh or a Hans Zimmer soundtrack or say how delicious a steak is, it adds nothing to the painting or the soundtrack or the steak, but it increases our enjoyment of it. When, when we offer up praise to God, it is pleasing to Him, but it, it doesn't somehow fill a, a hole in His life. What it does is it increases our joy and our contentment in Him as we set our affections in our mind upon God Himself. It's our natural response to talk about that which we delight in. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. And if God wants our ultimate joy, He desires then to command what completes our joy. That's the purpose of worship. The goal is we praise God and give Him glory. The rich blessing that we receive back is the joy that comes from giving God the honor that is due His name. There's some things in here that I I wrote down as I read through. First of all, this command is for each of us. He tells us in verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth. That includes you and I. We're we're encompassed here in, in, in that command to sing to the Lord. You and I are part of the earth. The command also is there for us to give thanks. He tells us in verse 8, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Isn't it wonderful to be around somebody who has a thankful heart? I mean, when you're around that person who's constantly complaining and whining and negative, it kind of kind of saps the life out of you, doesn't it? But oh, when you get to be around someone who is full of joy and gratitude and thankfulness at what God has done in their life. I'll, I'm going to use them as an example. They're not in this service, and they probably wouldn't want, to, want, want um, the, the accolades. But I, I had a chance to spend some time with Tom and Pat Alberta and on Tuesday when uh, we were down in Ann Arbor. Tom is going through cancer treatments right now for uh, cancer in his throat. And uh, in order to be able, he's he's having chemo and radiation on on this right now. And we had lunch with them, and and, uh, he had to be very, very careful about the things that he ate um, because of the way that foods that he normally enjoyed interact with the medicines and make him even sicker. Uh, In order to be able to um, do the radiation, he told me that um, any, any, any teeth that were having problems, they had to pull before they did it. And so uh, just a couple weeks before he began the treatments, he had nine teeth pulled in one setting. Now, I mean, I, some, there are days when I consider myself kind of a manly man, but 
When I heard that, I'm like, there's no, I would have been crying like a little baby. But to hear, the whole focus of our conversation, he kept trying to get it off of him. And he wanted the conversation to be about God and what God had been doing in their lives, the lessons that he'd been learning, the ministry opportunities that they had had to talk to the medical professionals. Everything was, was an attitude of thankfulness for what God was doing in the midst of his suffering. And I said, man, more people need to talk to you. This is, I've, I've walked away hoping that I would be a blessing to you, and you've, you've blessed me, you've encouraged me here, and you're the one with cancer. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. There's always something to give God the thanks for and the praise for. Make sure that you're a person who is thankful. We're also commanded to seek in this passage. As we think about spending time with God, David reminds us in verse 11, to seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Now, we could just build a a message off that verse alone. We need to be people who seek God and to seek his strength and his presence on a continual basis. When I got home that day from from Ann Arbor, it was late. I had taken my son Jaden, and we stayed for the, the Tigers game. It was the one they scored like 19 runs. It was the last I think they've scored any runs at all since then. But uh, um, we got back, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I got out of the van, and I walked to the, the house, and I used the car keys to unlock the house. And that is the last I have seen my car keys since Tuesday. I have no clue where I put them in my tired, groggy state that just barely managed to get us home safely. I set them down somewhere. And usually I'm the guy at house that preaches about always put the car keys back where the car keys belong. So that way when you need the car keys tomorrow, you'll know right where to find the car keys. And guess who didn't put them where they belong? And so... All week long, I have been searching feverishly for these car keys. Uh, while we're on the topic of prayer, if you want to pray that I find our van, I wouldn't be much appreciative. I've spent so much time all week looking for the car keys. And as I was studying this passage, and I read verse 11, seek his presence continually. I thought, when was the last time I put so much intensity into seeking the Lord like I have for these car keys? By God's grace, we have another vehicle, and I've been able to drive around and that sort of thing. So it's not a, we're not talking like a state of emergency here, but it's bugging me. And I've I've invested hours this week into this task. I have rooted through garbage. Yes, I checked the refrigerator, and I checked the ignition, and I have checked everywhere everywhere in between, and I have not been able to find these keys. But I thought, wow, when was the last time I invested this kind of energy into seeking the presence of God. We're commanded to seek. We're also commanded to remember. Letter D, we're commanded to remember. Verse 12 says, remember the wondrous works he has done. Verse 15 says, remember his covenant. Ah, oh, we're a forgetful people. and I just, I've discovered that the older I get, this is not improving at all. I need to-do lists. I need notes to remind myself of things. If any of you come up to me Sunday morning and ask for something, would you email me this or could you call me this? I always say, send me a text or an email because I never remember 
anything that people ask me on Sunday mornings. I, my, this is just getting bad, and I'm, I don't feel like it should be getting bad this early in life, but it's getting bad. But you know, in, in, our, in our Christian life, we struggle with our memory sometimes. God can be so good to us one day by nourishing our soul with a, a, a precious truth from his word, or maybe it's an unexpected word of encouragement. Uh, maybe, maybe you got to lead someone to Christ or, or something he provided for you in a way that you just never, never expected. And the next day, like when you lose your car keys, you can completely forget all that God has been doing for you, how he has saved you, how he's protected you, how he's provided another vehicle for you to be able to drive when you've lost the keys to your other vehicle. And yet, it's like your world crashes down and you forget, you forget how good God has been. Oh, remember. Listen, you and I aren't the only ones who forget. That's why David wrote it down. Look for ways to remember God's work. If you journal, what a great way to just make no, hey, today, God encouraged me with this truth. Today, my, my, my kids, I caught my kids reading their Bible without, without me asking them to. T- today, a check came in the mail that is just the right amount I needed for this bill, and I didn't expect it. Wh- whatever it is, make note of it. So those times when you're feeling dry, when you're feeling discouraged, and you feel like God has completely forgotten you, you go back and recall the mighty works of God. We're commanded to remember. And then finally, we're commanded to declare his glory. Verse 24 says, declare his glory among the nations. All these things that God has done in your life, it's not just for you. It's for you to to broadcast and get the word out so that others might know. It doesn't seem like God should have to command us to do these things. It seems like it should just be spontaneous. Yes, God is good, and I worship you for that, Lord. But we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded because we constantly, like what John Calvin has said, he says the human heart is an idol factory. We prove this true because we are constantly settling for paltry substitutes. Rather than God himself, we settle for, for secondary things that, that may be good, but they're certainly not good enough to replace Almighty God in our affections, in our time, in our worship. We have to be reminded to give thanks, reminded to praise. As I read this passage, though, I came across some reasons for worship, and we're just going to kind of run through these briefly. There's, there's so much here. In David's song of praise and thanksgiving, that you could, you could really devote prayer time and maybe you'll want to use this as an outline for your prayer time, as a little, little uh, memory joggers, as you're spending time alone with God. First of all, we worship God for who He is. All right, and in just a moment, we'll talk about praising Him for His actions and His deeds, but we worship God just for who He is and His character. First of all, because there's none like Him. There is none like Him. In verse 25 and 26, it says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He's to be, be feared above all the gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. During David's lifetime, the people of Israel did pretty well with this. David made his mistakes, but overall, God called him a man after my own heart. But after David died, his son Solomon took his place. And Solomon got off to a good start. He did, he really did. He built the temple. 
He, 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 he asked God for wisdom, and God made him the wisest man uh, alive. But as time went on, uh, Solomon had this problem. He wasn't, like, he wasn't content with monogamy, and so he began to add wives. And uh, he had over, ended up with over 700 wives uh, by the time he died, which, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't totally get it. I mean, 700 wives means 700 mother-in-laws? I, never mind. We'll erase that from the recording. But where God rebukes him is he began to marry women who, who didn't worship the one true God. He disobeyed God by, by marrying foreigners who, who worshipped idols. And what happened was is he married them, they, and they began to bring them into the, his kingdom, into the land. He said, all right, well, we can set up a shrine for this one here, and okay, you can have this area over here and set up your God. And, and, and these false gods began to find a foothold into the land. As a result, people began to worship those gods. Here's the thing. Even the best efforts of man to invent God doesn't even come close to the one true God. See, we may think that we have ideas that, that if, if, if I could create God, he would be different. Maybe he would, uh, he'd be so loving that he never punished anybody or sent them to hell. Maybe um, I, would, I would fashion a God who always gave me what I wanted. Now that would be a cool God. We have these ideas about what way we think that God should be, and, 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 and people have tried ever since the creation, ever since the fall, really, to create God in their own image rather than recognizing God for who He is. History has shown that humans are poultry God inventors. Our gods are always fashioned in our image. The fact is, is there is none like our God. Wise, true, holy, just, loving, gracious. There is none like him. And we should praise him for that. Second reason that we should praise him is because he's a personal God. Verse 14 says, He is the Lord our God. The Lord our God. He's not just someone we read about. He's not something, someone that's just in children's flannel graph stories. He's real, and he's our God. I was listening to a brother pray recently, and it just blessed me to just hear the way he talked to God. It was like, it was like he knew him. His relationship with God was so deep that he, just, he was talking to a friend. I, I told someone else, I said, I could have heard him pray for hours and hours. He, he was talking to someone he loved and to someone he knew loved him. This is our God. Thirdly, we should praise him because he's a faithful God. He's faithful in keeping his promises. We won't read the verses, but in 15 through 18, um, David reminded them, he, he's kept his promises to you. Listen, he, he took care of you, Israel, throughout your wilderness wanderings, throughout you know, delivering you from Egypt before that. And all the times that you've rebelled and turned your back on him, no matter how, how evil and wicked you've been, God has been faithful 
God has still shown his steadfast love. You know how many times the Old Testament talks about God's love being a steadfast love? Do a search on it sometime. It's over and over and over. God refers to his love for you and for me, for his people, as a steadfast love. He's a faithful God. Number four, he's he's holy. He's holy. Verse 10 tells us to glory in his holy name. Verse 29 says, Ascribe the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him and worship the Lord in his splendor and his holiness. When we say that God is holy, it means that he is set apart from his creation. He is perfect and spotless and far above all of us. It doesn't mean that we're insignificant, but it means that all of our significance is derived from him. But he's not like his creation. He's holy. He's perfect and without sin. It's interesting that this is the only attribute that is being declared by the angels day and night around the throne of God. Revelation tells us they sing day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm glad that we don't have a shady God, God with a sketchy past. This is a God who is perfect in all of his ways. We need to remind that as we go to him. You know, God wants us to be able to come before him boldly. God wants us to have that intimacy that we just spoke about a moment ago. We cannot forget as we're talking to him that, by the way, he is still God and and we still are his creation. There's a sense that you could get too familiar and not have the awe that comes with worshiping the almighty creator of the universe. Hebrews 12 tells us, that our acceptable worship should be with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And fifthly, God should be worshipped because He reigns. He reigns. He's in control. Verse 31 says, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nation, The Lord reigns. You know, when we look at the, the news today, and we see the political climate, and you see things that are going on, Crazy people in North Korea trying to launch rockets and, and world hunger and, and this or that insurrection and protest and rebellion or whatever. It, the news can be a discouraging place to hang out for very long. But we need to be reminded that God reigns, that God's in control. No matter what happens, God's in charge. We also not only worship God for who He is and for what He's done, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but We worship God for creation. We look around and we see the beauty around us. I know most of us don't like gloomy, rainy, gray days like today. But we know that this rain is bringing what? April showers bring what? And we're going to be grateful here in a few weeks as the flowers begin to bloom and and the the green begins to deepen. And uh, we we love that as we emerge from the the darkness of winter and enter into summer. And we're, we're grateful for that looking around, taking time to just thank God for eyes to see the beauty that's around us and even within us. I was doing some reading this week. I'm not, not a science or medical guy by any means, but I just I read this information. I thought it was amazing. You know, our heart um, is kind of, kind of important. I have discovered that much. You gotta, your heart plays a big deal in like, you know, keeping you alive. And so 
uh, it's pumping though. Like all throughout this service, your heart has been working without you telling it to. You didn't have to give any instructions. You didn't have to, you know, set it to a timer or anything like that. Your heart is working, pumping blood, taking essential nutrients and oxygen throughout your Bible, your, your body all day long, all day long. I read that um, the average heart, uh, the, the, heart, the heart pumps an average of one and a half gallons of blood every minute. Can you believe that? Your heart, if you're an average person, uh, some of you are very much above average, so maybe you're, you're doing double that, but uh, you're one and a half gallons of blood every minute. That means in one day, your heart pumps enough blood to fill 40, 50-gallon drums. Can you believe that? That muscle that you're doing absolutely nothing with. I mean, that thing is just working whether you're awake or you're asleep, whether you're sitting or exercising, that baby's working, working. Not because you told it to, but because its creator told it to. In your lifetime, or I'm sorry, in, in one year, you're gonna, your heart's going to pump 730,000 gallons of blood all without you doing it. Uh, we have a marvelous God who sustains, I mean, we, we could talk about the stars, we could talk about our bodies. We could talk about places that you love to visit, maybe the Grand Canyon or watching a sunset on a beach or being out in the, the quiet of a woods on a cool fall morning, wherever it is. Your God made that, and we should worship him for it. We also worship him for his mighty acts that he has done. Verse 24 says, to declare his marvelous works among the people. Take time to get the word out about what God is doing and has done in your life. Has God blessed you with something? something? Share it with somebody. Has God encouraged you through his word? Let people know. We've got, use social media for good. Let's put it to good use here. Use Twitter, use Facebook to get the word out about God's mighty acts and how he has worked in your life. Thirdly, we can worship God because of his protection his protection. He preserves his people. He describes in this passage how God, God kept Israel from harm throughout all their years of wandering. We don't even, there's not one of us here who knows all the ways in which God has kept us from harm, the way that God has sustained us. God is so good. And then finally, maybe most importantly, we can thank him for our salvation. We can thank him for our salvation. Verse 23 says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. You know, we've recently come through the Easter season. And we've talked about how Jesus went to the cross for our sins. He died in our place. And the Bible says that for all those who believe in him, they will be called his sons and daughters. He will save us from our sins. By simply trusting in him. You know, if you're someone who has made that decision, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the best thing that has ever happened to you. You may have married a great person. You may have had some awesome kids or, or done some, some fantastic things in your life. But the best thing that has ever happened to you is that Jesus has saved you. If you're here this morning and you've not experienced that, I, by all means, come talk to me after the service. But here's the thing. The Bible describes our salvation as being snatched from death 
and brought into life. You should tell somebody about that. That's pretty amazing. That you have been rescued from an eternity in hell, separated from God, and brought into relationship with him to where you'll spend eternity in his glorious presence. You've probably shared some exciting things with people recently, maybe some good grades in school, how well your kid did at Little League yesterday, or or how your, your fantasy baseball team's doing. But I tell you what, you can tell nobody better news in all the world than that Jesus has saved you. So when you get done thanking him, let his mighty works be known Let's be people this week who take time to thank God. Who who take time to seek His presence. Maybe even as hard as we look for lost car keys. And to glory in His name. For our Lord is good. When you bow in prayer this week, oh, by all means bring your requests to Him. But ascribe to the Lord the praise of God and the glory and the thanksgiving that is due His name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You today with our hearts full because we've spent the last 35 minutes just meditating upon how good You've been to us, how utterly amazing Your character is. God, as we go forth from here, may we continue to be enamored with you. As we go throughout the week and we get busy with work and family and practices and normal stuff of life, God, keep our eyes on you. Give us hearts to seek you. Give us thankful hearts. Give us hearts that... that are in a constant awareness of, of the reasons that you need to be praised and honored and worshipped. And we thank you that the, for the transformation that's going to take place in our life as people are, see us become more thankful, more, more you-centered. God, you've been so good. We give you all the praise and the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.